I know some of y'all are wondering if we're ever going to get out of Jude. You'd think a, a book with only 25 verses, you'd skip right through it. Um, but I have to say that I have been absolutely fascinated with how much information we find in this little book. And um, I know it's been an eye-opening study for me. And uh, I don't guess I ever realized how often and how hard God pushed to make sure that his word stayed pure. And one of the ways that he done that was to make sure that we are able to recognize the terrorists that the enemy has put within our presence inside of the churches, inside of uh, different ministries, uh, whether that's TV ministries, radio ministries, or just outside in the regular churches, um, how important it is that we are able to recognize false teachers and, uh, and Jude has been very, very in-depth to help us understand what this looks like. Um, but before we get into that, <clears throat> this past week, our president ordered a killing of Iran's number one military man, uh, Soleimani. Now, this man was responsible for hundreds, if not thousands, of American deaths. Uh, Soleimani was a terrorist. He had ties to terrorist groups, and he was currently plotting another attack on American, uh, either military or civilian, uh, according to intelligence that they had received. And that was the reason that our president had ordered this attack upon him. And I guess the thing that fascinated me the most about this was when the information came out that both of our last two presidents had had opportunities to do the same thing. Um, this man has always been a terrorist. He has always been uh, uh, anti-America. He has always been for the killing of our U.S. soldiers and civilians. And our last two presidents rejected this same exact action because they were afraid of retaliation. They were afraid of how it would look to the world. They were afraid of criticism from the other party. And they were afraid of damaged relations with other countries around the world. This animal had his reign of terror for over 20 years. 20 years he had been a threat to Americans. For 20 years he had killed Americans and wounded Americans. And my question is, is how many Americans' lives, how many, because of these two former presidents, were scared? Our current president is not afraid of any of that. He doesn't care about any of that. Retaliation, that's not a path that they want to go down. War, we're bigger and we're badder than they are. That's not a road they want to go down. How it looks, you think he cares how it looks to anybody else? Up to this point, he's not cared how it looks. Anything looks. How about approval ratings? Please. 
Criticism? Are you kidding me? Criticism? You know, if this president was to say, I love puppies, the news would come out tomorrow, Trump hates hates kittens. That man has been criticized for every move he makes. It doesn't matter. You think he's worried about the criticism of what this is? Damage relations with who? Iran? Iraq? They hate us anyway. And the critics say that Americans' blood will be shed. Americans' blood has already been shed. Last week we talked about spiritual terrorists in the church. Men and women who are very dangerous because they have, as Jude said, they have crept in unaware into our churches, into our Christian institutions. They disguise themselves as ministers of light. They claim to be Christians. They claim to follow Jesus Christ. And they are willing to blow themselves up to blow themselves to hell and to take as many with them as possible. And you know, the most disturbing part is that the church is willing to overlook these spiritual terrorists because we're afraid of criticism, retaliation, hurt relationships, controversy, But at what cost? At what cost are we willing to overlook these apostate teachers, these false teachers? At what cost? Millions of deceived souls. That is the cost. And we use the excuse that, well, it's just their interpretation. It's just their interpretation of Scripture. When they dilute it, when they distort it, when they destroy even the clearest scriptures, we excuse it away. And we ignore, or even worse, we support these filthy dreamers, as Jude called them, all in the name of progress and tolerance. You know, over the past several weeks, Jude has been on this tirade about these apostate teachers, and I'm afraid he might have a few more weeks left in him. And I reckon on such a grave subject, then we'll just stick it out with him. You know, as I was studying this morning, I thought, you know, it almost looks like I'm hesitating, or it almost looks like I'm stalling because I don't want to start revelations. I promise you, that ain't it. But as I was studying this morning, and and I was looking into our lesson today, and there was three parts to our lesson. And as I was studying down through there, and I was getting things written down, I got to the third one, and I only had just a little bit of time left before church. 
And I thought, man, I don't want to rush this. I don't want to push through this quickly. I don't want to miss anything because we're in a hurry to get through this. God has it there for a reason, and I believe it's important that we get a hold of this and we're willing to listen to and to understand and to apply this to our lives. And I don't know if anybody realized this, but Jude has given us a series of three threes. A series of three threes. Now, three represents in the Bible divine wholeness. If you think about it, we're body, we're soul, we're spirit. If you think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it speaks of completeness. There's a beginning, there's an end, a middle, and there's an end. Completeness. Three represents divine completeness, divine wholeness. Three threes. The first three cases were of apostate judgment. We looked at the Jew apostates who were destroyed in this desert because of their unbelief. Then we looked at apostate angels who overstepped their God-given bounds and they were put in everlasting chains and darkness. And then we looked at apostate Gentiles who lived lives of homosexuality and possibly bestiality, sexual immorality in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were destroyed by hell and fire and brimstone as an example of suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And then we were given three characteristics of apostate teachers. The first one, he told us, was that they defiled the flesh. Drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, anything for the pleasure of the flesh. They defile the flesh. And number two, they despise authority. Whether that's divine authority or that's man's authority. They despise authority. They will not allow anybody to be over them. And then Jude told us that they have an irreverence for angels, fallen or otherwise. And they have an irreverence towards God. Something even Michael the archangel, the most powerful angel of all the angels, was careful not to do. Was careful not to step across that line. And today Jude is going to give us three more, our third set of threes. We're at least two of the three today. We're not going to get through all three of them. And all three are past apostate paths that they will follow. So let's look at Jude, verse 10. And we'll read verse 10 and 11. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts. In those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and they have perished in the gainsaying of Korah. They speak evil of things which they know not. Last week I got all worked up and I missed verse 10. I don't know how I didn't finish it. I, was, I meant to include it last week with our message, but I also didn't want to miss verse 10. So I'm going to poke it on the front of the, our message today. 
um, which they know not. When they are irreverent towards angels, when they are irreverent towards demons or towards Satan, they really have no idea what lines they are crossing. They don't know the danger that they're putting themselves in. You've heard the old saying, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. This is that. This is what that saying is talking about. This is a prime example of that. Fools rush in where angels are fear to tread. They really don't know what they are messing with as brute beasts. You see, when Jude describes them as brute beasts, it's because they are unable to reason these things out. They are unable to think through the things that they do, the actions that they take. They just do what feels good. It doesn't matter how wrong it is or how dangerous it is. As long as it feels good, that's what they're a part of. They're going to do whatever feels right. I used to have a dog years ago. I can honestly say it was probably the only dog I ever hated. I hated that dog. I've had a lot of dogs in my life, but this dog I hated. His name was Toby. Oh, man, I... First day we ever had him, my wife locked him in the bathroom. I come home, I open the bathroom door, and the bathroom is destroyed. I mean destroyed. This dog's this tall. It's about this long. And I mean, he, it's like, how, what? I mean, there was stuff off the shelves. There was stuff down. And he had climbed up on the sink and done his business up on the sink. I mean, it was like, what in, uh, how, that little dog did all this? Oh, I hated that dog. Come home one day, and he had been up on the kitchen table. This tall. And he had done his business on the kitchen table. Oh, man, I hated that dog. And, I, and, and he was a little boy dog. And I would come towards him, and when I'd come towards him, he'd just curl up in the fetal position like I was going to beat him or something. I'm like, what is wrong with this dog? There's something wrong with this dog. He's messed up. And I decided I was going to man that dog up. I was going to make him man up. I was going to teach him to be a man dog, a male dog, toughen up. Quit being such a little sissy dog. So one day, we, I come out of the house, and there's this black cat, black cat up on the porch. And I said, Toby, I said, get that cat, Toby, get that cat. And, man, he took off after that cat, and I was like, Yes! Man, he chased that cat off the, down the steps and across the yard. Well, about halfway across the yard, the cat realized I'm twice his size. And that cat stopped, and Toby stopped. And that cat turned around, and here they come back. And Toby with his tail between his legs, he was just a-getting it. And I'm like, are you kidding me, Toby? It was a cat. And worse off, it was a girl cat. You just got whooped by a girl cat. I hated that dog. Toby. But see, this is the thing. He did what dogs should do. It took a little coaxing. He didn't think it through. He didn't notice the cat was twice his size and probably twice as mean. But man, when I put the pressure to him, go, Toby, go, man, he was gone out after that cat. He didn't think through what the the final consequences were going to be. 
And that's the thing about brute beasts is they don't think things through. They just do. They just react. And they're not thinking about the final consequences of whatever they're doing. That's what these false teachers do. These, these, apostate, pro, these apostate teachers are not thinking about the final consequences. They don't care. They just do what feels good. They just do what gets them the best response. Now, you see, Jude said that these brute beasts bring about their own destruction. They bring about their own destruction by the things they do. They're playing with fire, and they will get burned. And they brought it on themselves. They brought it on themselves. And then Jude says, woe unto them. He says, listen, how horrible will it be when all of this takes place? How horrible will it be? Now notice, each one of these, as he talks about these past apostates, notice how it becomes progressive. He says they have gone the way of Cain, or they have walked the way of Cain. And then they rushed headlong into the error of Balaam. So first they walked, and then they rushed, and then they perished in the, re- in the rebellion of Korah. They walked They rushed, they perished. Now the first thing, the first one that Jude brings up is they have gone the way of Cain. If you would, flip over to Genesis chapter 4 with me. I want to look at this story. Keep your finger in Jude because we'll be back there. But Genesis chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother, Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit (coughs) of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock. And of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and he slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? 
And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And thou, and now art thou cursed from the earth, <coughs> which hast opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. <clears throat> a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast given me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Cain was the firstborn, the firstborn human being. Of course, Adam and Eve were both created by God. So Cain was the firstborn, and Abel was his brother, the secondborn human beings. And as we look at this story, the one thing that we have to understand is, is that God had obviously told each of them what was required for their sacrifices, what they needed to do in order for God to be pleased with their sacrifices. Abel did what he was supposed to do, and God was pleased with his sacrifice. Cain decided to do it Cain's way and to do it whatever way he wanted to do it and to worship the way that Cain wanted to worship, which was not the way that God had told him to do. And God was not pleased with his worship. And therefore, Cain was angry. He became very angry. He was angry at his brother. He was angry at God. He was angry at the world. And God says, why are you angry? Why are you upset? You brought this on yourself. You did this. Why are you angry at your brother? Why are you angry at me? I told you how to sacrifice. I told you how to worship me. And yet you chose to go a different path. All you need to do is do the right thing. Do what I told you to do, and I will bless you the way I blessed your brother. You see, that's the way of the false teachers. That's the way of the apostate teachers. They decide to worship God the way that they want to worship God. They want to do it the way that they want to do it. And so, Cain was very religious. He was very religious, but he rejected God's described and required method of worship. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith. By faith he was commended as righteous. By faith. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. He continues to speak. And apostate teachers do this all the time. God gives us clear instructions in the word of God how to do church. He tells us what he requires. In order to do it God's way, he has given us clear instructions. 
There are pastors who pastor that God has said are disqualified from pastoring or forbidden from pastoring. They preach promises that God never promised. They embrace that which God calls an abomination. They distort, they dilute, and they destroy biblical doctrines. They do it all the time. They go the way of Cain. They, they worship God the way that they want to worship God. And when they're called out or when they're exposed by the godly, they become very angry and they become violent towards those who call them out. I, uh, I watched a video as I was studying this of a, a very well-known, actually two very well-known preachers on TBN. And both of them were very angry at another well-known pastor who called them out, um, who called them out on TV because of some false teachings, some false biblical teachings that they were uh, putting out there. And they were both very angry. And uh, as I was watching these preachers, um, it's, now one of, one of the angle he had pointed out some uh, biblical errors, and one of the angry preachers said, little bits of doctrinal error. That's what he called them, just little bits of doctrinal error he's pointing out. One of them said, God's going to shoot you if I don't. The other one says, I have looked for one verse. He picked up his Bible, and he was shaking his Bible, and he flipped it open. He said, I have looked all the way through this book for one single verse that says, if you don't like them, kill them. And he said, and I can't find it in there. He says, I really wish I could find that. And then he went a little bit longer, and he started getting angry again. And he said, I wish God would give me a Holy Ghost machine gun, he said, and I would blow his head off. Yeah. They have gone the way of Cain. They have been exposed because of false teaching, and they didn't like it. And they threatened violence against the man. They stood and shook their finger at the camera and said, Don't you ever say my name again. Don't you ever mention me on your show again. Ever. They have gone the way of Cain. And that is the way of Cain. Instead of changing their way, instead of of explaining this false doctrine or, or trying to, to make it right or to even change to do it the right way. Instead of changing his ways, he killed his brother, Abel. You see, the apostates will always hate the godly. They will always hate those who follow God's way. especially those that are willing to expose them for their false teachings. One very famous apostate teacher slash preacher 
called Christians who oppose homosexuality, or more specifically, they're backpedaling on homosexuality. This person's backpedaling on homosexuality, and they called that wrong, or we called that wrong. They called you a hyper-fundamentalist. You're an extremist. You're out of control. You take that Bible way too serious. And they were angry because they were called out. They were angry because they were exposed for their false teaching. And then Jude says that they ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. You see, here Jude exposes the real reason that these apostate teachers hang around. The real reason that they do what they do. It's because they are out for reward, for pay. Now, this story of Balaam we find in Numbers 22 through Numbers 24, and then they touch a little bit over in 31. So it covers such a long, a a big area. We're not going to look at it, but I'm going to kind of give you the highlights of what's going on. So King Balak... Israel has, has come onto his doorstep, and he looks at the size of these people, and he's like, listen, they're going to eat us alive. They're going to overrun us. And he became afraid. The people became afraid of Israel. And so he came up with this bright idea that he's going to hire Balaam, a prophet for hire. <coughs> and he's going to hire Balaam to come and to curse Israel. And so he sends some people to Balaam. God says, listen, there's some men coming to your house. When they come here, you're not to go with them. Do not go with them. They show up. They offer him money. They offer him all of this stuff. And he says, listen, God says, I can't go. It doesn't matter. So he goes back and God tests him. He says, you know what? If you want to go, go. So the next day, the king sent more important people with more offerings and more money. And Balaam jumped at the chance to make more money. So he loaded up his stuff. He climbed on his donkey. He he starts heading over to meet with Balak. And on the way is when he has his experience with the talking donkey. The donkey keeps running him up against the wall. He runs him up against the bushes, and every time he beats his donkey. Finally, the third time, the donkey says, Why do you keep hitting me? He says, Because you keep running me up against the wall. You keep smushing me. That's why I'm hitting you. He's having an argument with the donkey. I meant the donkey's having an argument with the donkey. He's having an argument with with an animal, and he doesn't find this strange at all. And the donkey says, listen, I saved your life, sir. Have I ever done this to you before? And Balaam said, well, no, but man, you was doing it today. And he said, I saved your life. About that time, God opened his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing there with his sword drawn. Balaam finally makes it to Balak. He tells Balak, he says, listen, we need to to make an offering before God. They bring out the altar. They offer up the animals before God. 
He said, I'll go speak with God. He comes back, and as soon as he steps up and he looks over Israel, when he opens his mouth, he begins to bless Israel. Balak says, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? I brought you here to curse these people, and you're blessing them. And he says, hey, listen, I can only do what God tells me to do. He said, let's do it from another angle. So they move over here. Same thing happens again. So we move over here. Same thing happens again. Now, Balak slaps his hand together out of anger. He said, I I brought you here to curse these people, and three times you have blessed them. This is what Balaam says. Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord. I told you that I could say only what the Lord says. He says, there's nothing I can do about it. I have done my best, but every time I open my mouth, God puts blessings in my mouth and I bless the people. And Balak said, then stop talking. Oh, Balaam was all upset. He's losing his money. He's not going to get paid now. There's no way they're going to pay him because all he's done is just the opposite of what he was supposed to get paid for. But then Balaam come up with an idea. He says, I have an idea, and this will work. I promise you this will work. He said, I may not be able to, to curse them. He said, but I can tell you how to make them curse themselves. He said, this is what you do. He said, you get out all the pretty women. Get out all the pretty ladies. He said, dress them up, put them in scantily little clothes, show a little cleavage, put some makeup on, pretty them up, and send them down to the men of Israel. He said, that'll do it. He said, when they start hanging around with the women, when they start marrying with the women, he said, then all you got to do is get them to serve in the other gods that these women are serving. And he said, and then God will have no choice but to curse them. And so that's what Balak did. He did exactly what Balaam told him to do, and it worked. And it worked. And all of these men were deceived by these women. They were deceived by the way of Balaam. And all for what? For money. All for money. He persuaded all of these men to go the way of Balaam, to serve other gods, and to worship God or gods their way. Not the God of Israel, but the other gods. You see, these apostate teachers, they will do and they will say whatever it takes to pad their bank accounts. They will do whatever it takes. They will say whatever it takes in order for you to send them more money because it's all about the money. And I was talking about those angry TBN preachers that were on there. I mentioned the machine gun preacher. He's worth over $60 million. $60 million. And the other one who said that he was going to shoot him if God didn't shoot him, his net worth is over $100 million. You see why they were angry? 
You see why they were upset? Because this man was messing with their pocketbook. For these false teachers, it is about the money. Revelations 2.14 says this, and I'm wearing down on you guys. Just hang in there just a second. But I have a few things against thee. He's speaking to the church. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Cain served God his own way. Cain went his own way. He'd done it the way he wanted to do it. Balaam, he persuaded others to do it the way that he done it. And next week, we're going to look at Korah, and we're going to see the destruction that is brought on to those who follow the way of these apostate teachers. Would you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you. We have no excuse. We have no reason. God, the information's out there. At any given moment, I can research any teacher. I can research any preacher. At any given moment, God, I can pull up and investigate and search and find the truth. And then, God, it's up to me whether I receive that truth or if I reject it. And, God, you have made it very clear the importance of exposing, of revealing, of fighting for the truth, God. We are in a war. God, you told us that from the very beginning. We are in a war against these false teachers against these false doctrines. And God, it's a very important war. Very souls, God, are at stake here. And God, I pray that we are a church who stands on the word, no matter how unpopular it may be, no matter how politically incorrect it may be, God, give us the strength to stand. And now, Father, as we conclude this service, God, I pray that you be with all those that are traveling. God, keep them safe on the roads. I pray for rest this day. We ask all these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.